Hello and welcome to The Rabbit Hole, the definitive developers podcast in fantabulous Chelsea, Manhattan. I'm your host, Michael Nunez, our producer today, William Jeffries. And today we'll be talking about working remote only, only remote allowed. How do you do that? That sounds pretty nuts. I find myself can't do it. I don't think I can. I think remote-only companies are the new remote-first companies. There it's you go. It's a new thing, not the new hotness. Before we begin, we have a guest. We have Jonathan Belcher. How's it going, JB? Going great. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your experience in the remote-only world we currently live in right now. Yeah, I'm JB, and uh, I work at a remote-only company, Automatic, and we do WordPress.com and Jetpack and WooCommerce and a bunch of other things. And we live all over the world. All over the world. Do you elaborate on that? I haven't checked in a while, but I think we're in like 55 some countries, 700 and some people. I don't know the exact numbers, but yeah. Yeah. How did you you get to 55 companies so quickly, given that this is the new hotness? Well, (laughs) yeah. So Automatic started you know, as really doing a lot of open source work. And mm-hmm. so from from that respect, you know, remote only made sense when they decided to create a company. And Automatic's been around for 11 or 12 years at this point. So they've been remote only since the beginning. So this is not really all that new, this whole remote only thing. No, no. I, I think they were one of the first. Mm. Yeah. Or we are one of the first. Are there any other big names in the remote-only space? So I think GitLab is remote-only mm-hmm. and Buffer. And uh, I, I, know there's, I know there's at least a couple. There's, there's a new GitHub repository that has... Uh, no, it's a new website that has a bunch of uh, companies that are remote-only. But yeah, I mean, GitLab and Buffer are some of the, the more vocal uh, remote-only companies. Interesting. So none of the... There aren't like any... So, so I guess... Automatic would probably be the biggest then as well, right? Uh, I would say we're probably one of the largest, yeah. So what does your office look like? So I just moved into a new house okay. and I have my own my own little space that I can close the door on. When you join Automatic, you get a stipend to set up your office. So you get a, a desk and a chair. So I have a, a an electric stand sit desk okay. and uh, a fancy ergon- ergonomic chair okay. and... I have uh, I have a little boom with my mic on there and uh, an Apple Cinema display. I have a little ducky that one of my coworkers gave me when I left my previous job, and he said, "You're not going to have anybody to talk to, so talk to this duck." Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Before we moved, I had a I rented an office. Out of, it was an artist loft space, and okay. I had a desk, and it was in a in a room with a bunch of shelving units and like in an old uh, school. It was. Pretty fantastic space. Everybody was way cooler than me. Oh, for sure. I find that like that is the number one rule to working remotely is to have that space as an office and nothing else. Yeah, you gotta you gotta segment out the areas of your life so that they don't start to bleed into one another. Yeah, and you have to remember that like there are there are working hours and then there are non working hours, and you. I mean, depending on your personality, you may just be working all the time. You know, I, I think that that happens with remote and when you go into the office. I mean, mm-hmm. we all check Slack and we probably shouldn't be after hours. Right. But yeah, you, you need to segment. You need to have a space. You need to have a place to work. 
I try to get out of my pajamas most days. Mm. I mean, it doesn't always happen. I try to take a shower before I start work. That way I feel nice and clean and I'm ready to go. Right. I definitely like segment my day so that these are the hours that I'm going to be working. And then when I'm done with those hours, I close the computer and I'm done for the day. And that feels, that feels nice. So if you're keeping these regular hours, but you have people in country in 55 different countries around the world, how do you handle meetings? Yeah, my team is, we pretty much cover every time zone. So we have New Zealand, India, uh, Moscow, two people in South Africa, me on the East Coast in Philly, and then uh, one person in Seattle. So how do you have a meeting? Somebody has to stay up till 3 a.m. to have a team meeting. It doesn't quite work. So what we do is we alternate weeks. One week, it's at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard. And then the next week, it's at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard. Mm-hmm. I, Of course, I can make that meeting every week, but some people can and some people can't. So if you can make it, you make it. If you can't make it, you can't. So you um, might have two people on the same team who never actually go to meetings together. Yeah. Yeah. I Well, I, yeah. So I guess probably like Seattle and New Zealand probably wouldn't overlap a whole lot. So how do you get decisions made? Uh, so at, uh, at Automatic, we have a, in, we do WordPress. I mean, we're wordpress.com. So we have an internal WordPress theme called P2 that we use for blogging. I mean, just basically anything. So I have one for my team and you know, we post a, a weekly summary of all the things we've done. Or if you want to make a change, um, you, you post to the correct P2. So like if it's for WooCommerce.com, you would post on WooCommerce.com and say, I'm making this change to the build system. Here's the PR. Give me some feedback. I'm going to merge it on this day. And here are the things that you need to do to your dev environment for this to for things to continue working. And so then uh, you can leave comments and it's all threaded and everything can happen via P2. We also utilize Slack, you know, pretty much like every other company these days. And, you know, that's a fantastic tool, but we, we really need to catch ourselves because the back scroll can be quite long and you're coming on Eastern Standard Time when there's the rest of a team has been working all day, you know, in UTC+. I've had this problem where you sign in in the morning and there's an insane back scroll, and so you just shift escape. Yeah, and, you know, mark yeah. all is red. Yeah, I read it. it. Yeah, I read it. Sure. So we say P two, or it didn't happen, right? <laughs> so if you, if you did, if you don't P two it, it didn't happen, and and or like a lot of times, you know, for issues or things like that, we'll send people to GitHub. Right. Yeah, we use GitHub a lot. Of, yeah, just like every other company these days. Right. Slack yeah. and GitHub indispensable tools. I do think that, yeah, you might have to utilize those GitHub notifications when you're working remote because that will then tell you what what new updates happen. Like I know my GitHub has all sorts of things going on, but it's the small projects that I work on, I'm aware of them and that's fine. And that's all I need to know. But I imagine you utilize those notifications a lot more when you work remotely, when things are happening while you're asleep. Yeah. I mean, it, it's actually quite fan. Uh, I utilize my GitHub notifications a lot. 
and right. I I get to notification zero every single day. Some people don't, and they have different ways of doing it. They they use the emails that come in, so that these are the things I need to look at. I like the notifications because it can group together some of those emails. So if if one PR has like a bunch of chatter, like I, I'm not going through multiple emails. Plus my my email inbox was just getting massive from all those <laughs> notifications. So I turned them off. So I do use GitHub notifications and it's pretty fantastic. I just wish I could get them on my mobile phone. Mm. I'm not sure that would be a plus to my life or a negative to my life because I'd probably get them and then and then immediately like want to go write some code to like yeah. get that thing merged. But I find myself checking the GitHub notifications like, you know, every every hour, you know, to see if something has changed. But what is fantastic about having people on all these different time zones is that I can put in like five or six PRs and then I wake up the next day and they've all been code reviewed. Nice. So I don't have to ping someone to give me a code review. The entire team has had a chance to look at all of my, all of my code overnight and I wake up and I just merge, 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 merge. And oh, it's, 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 it's unless great. there are comments and then you have to wait a full day to get a follow up. That, that is true. I, I do have on my team, there's one other front end developer and we have one hour overlap. Mm. So I can, <laughs> I, I can get things. That is the time for merging. That nope. is, well, no, it's no, merging I, time. Yeah. Well, 4 p.m. is, 4 p.m. is definitely not a good time to merge, but it's definitely a good time to get a code review like approved. approved there yeah. we go yeah so i mean it has its pluses and it has its negatives uh, a lot of our teams we've we we have tried to not get that time zone uh disparity so we try to keep teams you know in a similar time zone so that it makes things a little bit easier but it doesn't always work out so how do you have a working relationship with these people like without that cooler talk without the time to sort of hang out yeah. I mean, it, it is one of those difficult things. When you've worked with someone for a while, you definitely, you definitely get to know them you know, via Slack and via P2s. And so you understand their voice and you understand where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. We do have that, those weekly team meetings. And so that creates a little bit of bond, but it is true. It's really difficult to get to know someone when you only see them through you know, a, a lot of text and then one hour a week. I've I've had these, you know, it's like an out-of-body experience when you meet somebody that you've been working remotely with for like six months, <laughs> you see them in person. It's, oh my God, you're real. You're not, you're not yeah. in the square that's like a Google Hangout. Like you're like, right here. <laughs> you are a real person. You're not some automatron. So what we do is we have team meetups and it's, you know, roughly about two times a year and we find a central location. We get an Airbnb or a group of hotel rooms. We all go fly in, we meet there and, you know, it's anywhere from right around five, six days. You try to tackle something, you know, it's not always, sometimes it's a, you know, hackathon style where you, you have an idea and you take it as far as you can. The idea is if you do do that to have something to show for that week and then, you know, pee to it. Here's what we did. And 
You got to have something to show though. That's that's the fun part. You always want to have like a finished product. So don't pick something too hard. And then uh, then there's like other meetups where my team is relatively new. A lot of people don't know each other. We have two people who just joined the team. So we're next week, we're going to be in Lisbon and we need to get to know each other. So we need to have a lot of discussions about architecture and design patterns and documentation and a lot of those sorts of things. And, you know, what direction we're heading in and, and how this works and, you know, what, what can we do to make these things better? And a lot of just team building. So we'll have lunches together, we'll have dinners together. And just, we're all in an Airbnb with three bathrooms in Lishboa when it's going to be like 80 degrees with no air conditioning. So we're really going to get to know each other. It's like a- Oh yeah. uh, Serious bonding. Serious bonding. Team bonding right there. Yeah. And so that's how you get to know your team. But on a on a grander scale, you you don't get to meet a lot of people that are outside of your team unless you're going to. We go to a lot of WordCamps, so there's WordCamp US and WordCamp EU. So you get to meet a lot of your coworkers then, uh, and at conferences and things like that. But we have so a WordCamp would be the WordPress conference. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, WordCamp US is like the big Word press conference that happens every year. And then they also have one in Europe mm. so that people don't have to fly over to you know the US. And then the, in each city, there's a WordCamp New York and a WordCamp Philadelphia. And so that happens once a year in individual cities all over the world. You know, A lot of automaticians go and speak at those WordCamps. And a lot of times we sponsor and so we have booths and people need to go and staff the booths. So we get to know each other a little bit then and there. But besides that, you don't really, I mean, you. how do you get to know everybody at the company? So we right. have a, what's called a grand meetup. And it's quite grand. Everybody in the company, almost everybody in the company flies to one place and then we're there for five or six days and we do you know, a bunch of town halls and, and some learning, some learning opportunities and, you know, a lot of fun activities and just getting to know everybody. And it's, it's really a fantastic experience. It's like, so you guys rent out a whole country's worth of Airbnbs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's the headcount at, yeah. at Automatic? So we are, I think we're like 700 something, but the, it requires a lot of it requires a lot of uh, hotel rooms. Yeah, a lot of planning, I imagine. Yeah, it's a lot down. of planning, and the people who put all that together are, are absolutely fantastic. Yeah, because yeah. that sound to organize something seven hundred people, six days, all sorts of town halls, probably uh, lunch and learns per se, and all sorts of different learning experiences that people present. I imagine that's. That must be exhausting. Amazing and exhausting too. Yeah. I mean, after seven days, it, it requires, I mean, like when you work remotely, you don't have as much of that social interaction. Right. So, I mean, you're not used to being around people all the time. Uh, I mean, you're around your family and your friends, but you are like there and you are doing things from seven o'clock in the morning till 7 p.m. at night. And, uh, yeah, you're pretty tired by the end. But I mean, it's a really, it's a really fantastic experience, and, and uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I think there's I, something like my when, third year when you when you only have a small amount of time, relatively infrequently, to collaborate with your coworkers. It makes that time more cherished. It makes people take it more seriously and make it last longer. Yeah, now, this is a thing that I've noticed at other companies where 
even if even if it's not a distributed team, you just have people off site. When you do get everybody together, there's like a magic that happens. It's definitely magical. Uh, like last year, I taught a course. Uh, we have an open source project, Calypso, which is the, in a nutshell, admin interface for WordPress.com. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people wanted to learn about it. And a lot of people weren't JavaScript developers. And so jumping into that with no knowledge was difficult. So we did, uh, I helped TA a beginner's Calypso course. And so there were, I don't know, 15 people in the room and two teachers. And, and so we had, you know, a great week. There are other courses, you know, about all the different things about the business. Uh, some people just do their job and mm-hmm. then other people, they do projects. Okay. So it's, you have to do something by the end of the, uh, uh, the grand meetup. And then you get up on stage in front of the whole company and you share what you worked on. Oh man, that must be scary. Yeah, uh, that's what I did the first year. I worked on a React Native app, and it was very, it was very, very difficult. It was very early on React Native. Yeah, and some of the documentation wasn't there, and like we had to get something done. We no. got something done, but uh, yeah, it was great. Yeah, physical offices are awesome too, though, right? Did you guys ever try that? So we had an office in San Francisco, uh, and we have a lot of employees in San Francisco. And the office just wasn't being used. Nobody went in. I, I mean, I know that there were a couple people that would go from time to time, but I mean, why, why would you go, why would you spend 15, 20 minutes, 45 minutes traveling to an office when you can just work from your home office? And why would you pay the rent on an office space in San Francisco? Yeah. Going? So, I mean, we, we, we closed the office down because nobody was going. What do you think are the differences between remote first and remote only companies? Because I think there are a lot of companies, like GitHub went that route, right? They have their affiliate, their, their uh, San Francisco office that's still open. When you have a, a team that is divided between remote and in office, you, you spoke earlier about water cooler talk. Yeah. So there becomes this camaraderie that the people who go into the office, they, they know each other, they have a camaraderie, they have, they, they have technical discussions, architectural discussions. And so they become the almost a different tier of employee. And so if you are remote and everybody else is in the office, then you become sort of a second tier employee. Now, I mean, uh, I'm sure that a lot of companies that have mixed teams or uh, have solutions to try and make that not happen. But I, I have heard stories from people that were just like, I was just an implementer and like, it was like, they would just assign things to me and I would do them and then I would go to sleep and then I would wake up and do the same thing t- the next day. Because I, usually I think of remote work that could be like that when yeah. when you have a team that is, you know location heavy and then that one remote person is handling the tickets that are being i guess over the fence you don't have the interaction of walking up to say the product manager and ask a question and all these other things but when everyone is away remote everyone is in the same tier if you will exactly in your example yeah i imagine that it changes the balance of the way that people communicate with one another because that is the only way of communication that you have with other people and that's and that's the the crux of it because you only have those certain forms of communication, you have Slack, GitHub, and P2, you, everybody has to use those things and all communication flows through those things. And so uh, it's very democratizing because you you have access to 
all the things all the time. Yeah. We, we try not to use, you know, a lot of Slack private channels. Everything's, you know, in the open so that, you know, if, if somebody needs to jump in, you just ping them and they're there and then they can read the back scroll and they can immediately jump onto the problem or whatever the, the thing that you're talking about is. And the P2s are open. Like if I make an architectural decision, then someone from a completely different team can, I can, I can send a message and they can like, Hey, can you take a look at this thing that I'm working on? And they can immediately jump in. They can read, they can read everything that, you know, I wrote the, I have to write it down for my team. Right. So that means I'm writing it down for all the teams. So everybody can take a look at it. Right. So if you were going to start a company, would you do a remote only company? Ooh, that's a tough, that's, I mean, that is, that is a tough one. I think I would have to, because for me going back to an office would, I mean, I could probably do it, but it'd be really difficult. It's fantastic working, working remote. And I, I think I would, because one of the things by being a remote company and being remote only is that you can attract talent from anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. That like makes sense. My newest team member is from New Zealand. There's no way, unless you're a remote company, you can't attract a JavaScript developer from New Zealand. Right. Unless you had an office open over there, that's quite expensive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I exactly. Just for, yeah, just for that one person in New Zealand, we got an office for you. That mm -hmm. would be almost realistic. Unrealistic. So, so you have access to a wider talent pool. What are the, like, why else might we want to start a remote only company as opposed I'm, to... Yeah, I'm already thinking about working in pajamas. That that You sold me on that. Just do some pajamas every so often. <laughs> and so, yeah. and it, it feels pretty easy to sell the employees on it. I'm wondering <laughs> how you sell the employers. Well, uh, so there's, there's actually a, a book written about Automatic. It's called The Year Without Pants. Oh, uh, that's so, great. <laughs> I mean, the, the title is super catchy, yeah. but I mean... Well, I think most automaticians wear pants. I certainly do. I can I can vouch you are, in fact, currently wearing pants. I'm currently wearing <laughs> pants. So, what, I mean, what are the other positives? Well, I mean, you don't have to pay for an office. Right. What is What is an office in New York City or San Francisco cost? Ooh. A lot of money. A couple, couple thousands, I would say. About I mean, a, a couple, at least. A couple, at least, lots of couple thousands. Yeah, at least, what? A thousand thousand dollars, two thousand dollars? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. You this guy? Show me where that office is. I'll show you a shoebox that's out there for a thousand out here. Yeah. <laughs> With a shared bathroom. Exactly. Okay. So I mean, like, yeah, you have the you don't have to pay for office space. You have a wider talent pool. You have twenty-four-seven coverage. If you have people in New Zealand and somebody in Europe and somebody in Philadelphia, you have 24-7 coverage. There's always somebody that is there if something breaks. So you don't have to ask somebody to stay up all night with a pager or something if like a server goes oh, down. Oh yeah, pager duty. Ugh. Yeah. I just Yeah. No, that doesn't sound like fun. <laughs> Although I'm pretty much useless if a server goes down. <laughs> <laughs> Pretend you're asleep or just, oh my internet's out. That's yeah. that's what you gotta do. Oh yeah. Everybody would have to have rock solid internet connections, right? Yeah. I, I mean, in, in, I have a home office, got, you know, Comcast, you know, I'm probably like 20 blocks south of the, the Comcast building. So like, I'm good. Yeah. I mean, like you need decent internet. You need to be able to do a Google Hangout. Doesn't that mess up recruiting in certain areas? Like a lot of countries have bad internet. Yeah. 
I, I would, I would assume so. Yeah. I mean, you it, like it, the, the minimum, the minimum requirements are that you have to, you have to speak English because everybody has to have that lingua franca and you have to have access to a, a good internet connection. Right. right. What qualifies as good? What's the minimum? Oh, I don't, I don't know. If you, uh, we, we were don't talk, know those things. No, we were talking before. It's like, don't go to, don't use the Starbucks Wi-Fi and then try to run NPM install because that'll take forever. If you can NPM install a project and it's comfortable, I think that's good enough. Maybe. Yeah. I, I mean, know. if you can do a conference call, like you can work an automatic, like. You just need to be able to do conference, uh, video conferencing. A lot of a lot of people work out of coffee shops, and you know the the internet suffices there. That's crazy. Starbucks, Oof, I can't do that. Didn't, no, I, I didn't say Starbucks. Yeah, you I just said, said coffee, coffee shops. shops. You yeah. just said coffee. That is true. This is true. This can't do a Starbucks at all. I mean, uh, like I'm spoiled, man. If it's less than thirty megabits per second up and down, I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm real mad. <laughs> Yeah, it's. I, I don't think it's the internet that I have a problem with at coffee shops. I mean, like, uh, I don't need. I don't necessarily need fast internet. I'm. I mean, other than if I'm doing an npm install for yeah. sure. But what I can't do uh, at coffee shops is the hustle and bustle and all of the people around me. Mm. Some people find that like relaxing and having people around them sort of helps them focused, but it's just too much noise. I, even with the noise canceling, you know, headphones, yeah. I just, I just can't do it. There's a lot happening around you. And I imagine that's distracting in itself. I would think also that would make it harder to do conference calls because people would hear the background noise coming through your audio. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So quiet room, good internet, speak English. Yeah. I mean, I, like, and, and again, some people are on the, some people travel a lot. So there, there are some people that they they digital nomad. Uh, have you thought I, about doing that? No, I I can't. Well, we have a daughter, so like with having a toddler and us in like a car or an RV or traveling and then trying to work, I I think I would be doing my company a disjustice. I mean, I I, I wouldn't be able to focus. There's some people that are really successful at being able to, you know, being able to travel and, and work and, and, and get their work done. And I, I'm just, I, I need, I, I'm a creature of habit. And so having my, having my desk with my things and my headphones next to it and all, everything in its place really helps me get into an atmosphere of work. So how do you recruit and hire for a remote only company like that? I mean, I think it's, I think it's similar to most recruitment channels, you know, recruitment at most companies, we can just do it at a global scale. We have a lot of in, inbound interest in automatic. And basically you go to our website and you, you email your resume and, you know, a short statement of why you want to work at automatic to like, I think it's jobs at automatic.com. Mm-hmm. And from there we, we contact you, we do a phone screen, you know, make sure you are who your resume says. Uh, and I think depending on the role, there might be a code test. Okay. And, oh, I'm sorry. And by phone screen, I mean Slack screen. Okay. It happens all via Slack. There's So they they invite you to the Slack org, I guess as like a single channel guest. Yep, as a single channel guest. And you don't speak to anyone. It's all it's all written. So you have a uh, an interview 
all on Slack. Oh, no. Yes. Oh, my God. So it's just like, yeah, Bobby is typing. And then like, yeah, I. oh, God. <laughs> I can't yeah. imagine like typing. Oh, no, backspace. I need to do is type over to, oh, man. There's That's definitely some anxiety there. And so once you get through the Slack screen, you know, a code test and then probably may answer a couple couple questions about, you know, how you did things. It's a normal, like, you know, uh, Saturday afternoon code test. Right. And then we do a trial process. And so uh, we pay you an hourly rate to do a trial. And I don't remember what the hourly rate was, but they we give you a project. And then you work on that project as if it was like your day job. Oh, interesting. And, you know, uh, we're, we understand that you probably already have a job and you need to do this after hours on weekends. And so, you know, if it takes you a certain amount of time, that's fine. You know, you take your time and really what the trial is to figure out is like, how do you communicate and how do you solve problems and how will you work within a remote atmosphere? And I mean, it's pretty, pretty effective. You know, we have like great retention and, and people stay at automatic. They stayed at automatic for a long time. Yeah. And I imagine you mentioned before, everyone's online at automatic. So when you, when you do take the time to hack in on this, uh, little project, there is someone online to like answer your questions at all times in the night, even if you're breaking night at 2am and you want to hack in this project, someone, someone's awake. They're they're very well, maybe. Yeah. You have HR or recruiting distributed across all time zones as well? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I, I think my HR representatives in, is in the EU. So, yeah. I mean, it, like everybody, everybody at the company is distributed. And so the, the entire, the entire project process, that's all done via Slack. The entire okay. project process is on Slack as well. Yeah. So you haven't talked to anybody voice yet. Oh right? my gosh. And then once you once you get uh once you get through the trial process and they say, okay, this person is great, we like them, we want to hire them, you have a, a final a final chat. It used to be with our CEO Matt, but you know, as the company grows, you can't do you know, he can't do every single chat. Right. So you have a final chat and that's all via Slack. So you've gone through an entire hiring process without actually speaking to someone. Oh my gosh. It, it's, so it, you get your job offer via Slack? I forget how that process worked. Or by, via email, I guess. Yeah, I forgot how that, I forgot how that happened. You, you, get <laughs> joined, you, joined, you get hired, potentially, yeah. or hopefully, and then you're like, someone please remote hangouts. I want to see faces. Who was I talking to? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then it was, I, I was hired in April, and then I think it was May, I went on a team meetup where mm. I met a bunch of people, and, and it finally felt real at that point. But, and like your first, uh, another interesting thing we do at Automatic, it has nothing to do with remote, is that our first three weeks are, we do support. Hmm. And okay. I found that absolutely amazing. I, f- I felt empathy for my, for the users that I was then going to develop code for. Oh, yeah. I imagine that. Yeah. Smart. Yeah. And then we do, uh, a, every year we do a week of support. So I got that. So you always out. remember, like, the, the thing that you're building and the 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 problems that users may have and supporting that. And then when you go back to building things, you know with more passion and more empathy as you're building new yeah, features. Yeah, you know where the pain points are. How do you do support if you just started though? Like you probably wouldn't know the answers, right? 
Yeah. I mean, so you definitely have to, you definitely have to do a lot of Googling, a lot of documentation searches and like you have access to some tooling and and there's a, there's a structure in place that they teach you how to do a lot of things that you need to do. I mean, being a remote only company, you can't rely on someone walking over and tapping somebody on the shoulder and saying, Hey, how do I do this? We have documented everything. So everything is documented. It's just a matter of searching the documentation. Sometimes you might not know the answer. So then you jump into a Slack channel and you say, hey, I need help. This is really, really difficult. The The toughest part is being in live chat. And you need to, uh, the trick is to, to, you have to look things up faster uh, so that you can respond to, to the user. And you can't, you can't necessarily go to Slack and wait for an asynchronous response to a live chat. And so you really want to help that user, but you need to, you need to weigh that. Love it. Yeah. More, more companies should adopt that rotation program, making people go through support. Yeah. Every, every company should do it. One last question. When you work remote only, do you ever feel alone? I mean, like sometimes, but I think that's because I want to feel alone. Sometimes I'll put Slack into do not disturb so that I can really focus in on like a piece of code that is, you know, a little bit more complex, but I know that if I ever feel alone, you know, I have some, I have some people that I can reach out to, or, you know, I can send somebody a GIF and like, you know, spark a little bit of, you know, camaraderie. Awesome. I mean, the remote only movement, I imagine is only going to grow. And I imagine these are some of the, the challenges, but I mean, I think the idea you mentioned before of like being able to get talent anywhere on the planet is like a huge boon for organizations that want or need that talent. Absolutely. I love it. Come work at Automatic. (laughs) (laughs) JB, how can people contact you? I'm BelcherJ on Twitter. I am BelcherJ on GitHub. Anything you want to plug? Yeah. LibertyJS is coming up in November. It is a JavaScript conference in Philadelphia. And also go to that that jobs page at automatic.com. Follow us now on Twitter at Radio Free Rabbit so we can keep the conversation going. Like what you hear? Give us a five-star review and help developers just like you find their way into the rabbit hole. And never miss an episode. Subscribe now however you listen to your favorite podcast. On behalf of our producer extraordinaire, William Jeffries, and my amazing co-host, Dave Anderson, and me, your host, Michael Nunez, thanks for listening to The Rabbit Hole. <laughs>